You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live, everybody. I'm Chris Euler. And I'm Thomas Escrow. And we are about to kick off the second hour of the show today here from Aberdeen, South Dakota at Woo! Roncalli High School. How about that? Yes, it's a beautiful day out today. Yeah, we'll take it for uh, November. Oh, 30 degrees, 30 <laughs> plus degrees, I should say. It's sad that we're excited about that. Oh, last week was brutal. It's above freezing, woo! Yeah, it was so cold last week, <laughs> but it's a beautiful day out, just in time for our wonderful Thanksgiving, and uh, yeah, it's an awesome time. So. so we just got done talking for a segment about Thomas Aquinas, about his life, about what uh, the conditions were that gave rise to him writing the Summa, and we're blessed to be joining with us uh, a real... Uh, red-blooded Thomist himself, Dr. <laughs> Kevin Vost. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Well, it's a gift to have you on, and we're grateful uh, that you're here. So uh, before we dive into like the meat and potatoes of the interview, we want to know about you. So can you tell uh, the listeners about yourself and your family? Sure. To, to make a 61-year-long story uh, very, very short, I'll just say I'm, I'm sitting here in sunny Springfield, Illinois, where it's actually 43 degrees right now. Oh, we're happy for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but now I, I'm retired from a full-time career in disability evaluation and a part-time career in college teaching of psychology. Hmm. So right now I'm a full-time husband, father, grandpa, and author of Catholic books. But to go back to the, to the beginning, I was a person who was raised as a Catholic, went to Mass every Sunday, uh, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. In my late teens, I read the wrong kind of philosophers, mm. people like Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, uh, Bertram Russell, Ayn Rand, and some others, and I lost my faith. I spent 25 years uh, as an atheist. Wow. During, yeah, during that time, you know, I went to work full-time, I got a doctoral degree in clinical psychology, got married, had a couple of sons. But through a series of events in my early 40s, in 2004, um, I read St. Thomas Aquinas for the first time in my life, and I came to realize that all these arguments that pulled me away from the faith, you know, that were given by these older and more modern atheists, like, boy, Thomas had answered all those over 700 years ago, <laughs> borrowing from philosophers and church fathers who lived long before him. So the answers were always there within the church, and I didn't have uh, a clue so anyway, that, that was 2004. I was able to regain my faith, come back to Christ in the Church, and I've been bu- busy ever ever since uh, writing Catholic books that tie into, of course, the faith, but also they even tie into the, the, be- the things I learned about during my years away, things like psychology and health and physical fitness. Man, what an amazing testimony to the power of a saint 700, over 700 years later, and to the rationality of the faith. Sometimes yeah. we... People wrongly think that faith is sort of a blind leap, that there's no, you know, you just kind of have to let go of your mind in order to believe in a God. But actually, the faith is rational, right? And it makes sense um, to a certain point that we can dive into the mysteries that have been revealed to us. So you're, you're on today, Kevin, um, for us to ask you a kind of a pointed question. What is the world's most important question, according to Thomas? <laughs> well, according to Thomas, Aquinas, uh, it's a question that really played on him when he was a young child, even, was what is God? What mm. is the essence of nature of God? And we could say, is, is God uh, a loving father figure, as some people believe? Is God a figment of our imagination, as the modern atheists believe? Or is God one of a, of a group, of a pantheon of gods and goddesses 
So how we answer this question, what is God, is extremely important. So why, but why is that important? Like, you know, we, I mean, so many people in our world today, you know, like you said, or, uh, or like Thomas had said, like, you know, we just have to just, you know, we have to believe, right? You know, he's out there, right? You know, and you know, we just have to accept him into our heart and then, and then we're good. So like, why is it so important to actually think about who God is in our world today? Yeah, and there's many, many uh, reasons for this, and I, and I will say that, just to put it in really a broad strokes to begin with, thinking clearly about God can help some people who consider themselves atheists or agnostics to come to the faith, to make that leap of faith, not by contradicting science and reason, by finding something that goes beyond it uh, and fulfills it. And also, those who already love God, who love Jesus Christ, the, the Holy Trinity, by having a deeper understanding of God's essence, it can draw us to love Him even more, to be even more more odd by who God is. But another, just to give a clear example of why it's important, in, in my own case, one of the many atheistic arguments that drew me away when I was young, they would argue that the very idea of God is self-contradictory. Hmm. How, how could God be both all-knowing and all-powerful? Because if he knows what he's going to do tomorrow, you know, then he wouldn't have the power to do something different. You know, I heard that, and I, that's in a lot of these atheistic books, and I had no clue how to answer it until later I read St. Thomas, and he's talking about the attributes of God, the, the, the attributes of his omnipotence. What does it mean? How is he all-powerful? Also, how is God eternal? Hmm. Thomas answers it kind of like this, you know, you and I are t- temporal, we're time-limited creatures. We have a yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But Thomas says God exists in the eternal now. Everything is eternally present for him. He doesn't have a yesterday, a today, tomorrow. He has it all, at all times. And then he gives a beautiful little analogy. Just imagine you're traveling towards some distant city. And as you go along the way, you're not sure who came before you. You're not sure who's there behind you. You won't see the city till you've almost come upon it. But from the perspective of someone high in the sky, they see it all at once. And he says, this is God's perspective. So, so in many ways, when we look at the attributes, what, what both reason and Scripture can tell us about God's nature, you know, it, it can dissolve all these difficulties that many people in our day have, thinking it's unreasonable to believe uh, in God. And I even think it helps to dispel some uh, obscurities that we have as Christians. I know I've used the attributes that Thomas talks about to speak about how there's no potential in God. Mm. Sometimes we think God changes his disposition towards me based on my action, based on my, my inability to live up to who I'm created to be. God gets angry at me or God's disappointed in me or whatever. And the truth is that there's no, there's no capacity to change in God. He's pure act, and that act is pure self-giving love. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That no matter what I do, God loves me. And that totally changes the game of how I look at my life as a response to the pure actuality of God. So understanding who God is is so important, not just to um, engage those who might be atheistic or agnostic, but also for us as Christians to understand who God is. So Kevin... Yeah, I find that... Yes, yes, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. I didn't say that that point, too. Yeah, God, you know, God knows we're not going to change his mind. But does that mean, well, why should we bother and pray with him? No, part of God's great plan. You know, he sees everything, but he's given us free will. And part of his plan is he hopes that we will turn to him. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants us to be, to be praying to him, to asking him for things. So, so the very fact that we would pray or that we would pray the saints for their intercession, all parts of God's divine providence, even though, yes, there's no potential in God. He doesn't change. He, he can't get better because he's already there. He's already complete actuality. But mm. part of his plan in that us, being beings with potential, 
we need to live up to that potential by, by drawing upon his graces. Amen. Kevin, what would you say to someone who said, look, the only way to know about God or to know about God's existence is because you have this book called the Bible mm. that you guys have, but I don't believe in the Bible. Therefore, you can't make an argument for the existence of God. What would you say to someone like that? Yeah, I, I would say to someone like that, that yet it is, it is you know, a matter of choice whether we're going to believe in, in Holy Scripture uh, or not. And some people choose not to, you know, unfortunately. But one thing we all share in common as human beings, hopefully, is that we have the capacity to reason. Mm. So someone like Thomas tries to find this common ground, they call it the preambles of the faith. So through reason, Thomas argues that we can show that God exists, just, just based on the evidence of our senses, and they use our reasoning power. He says, we know, we can know that God must be there. He says, but to, go, to know exactly what God is, that takes more. We have to have reason as supplemented by what God has revealed to us in the Scripture. But yes, but I think uh, it puts us at a big disadvantage in, in evangelizing uh, non-Christians if they say, you know, I don't, I don't believe in the Scripture, I don't believe it's an inspired book. But if you can show them just using pure reason, it's going to point to, to God and to some particular attributes about God. And then you can show in that Bible specific phrases where, where it may take philosophers, you know, dozens of pages to tell us something about God's attributes, and we can see it summed up in the Scripture in two, two words, like, I am, when Moses mm. asked God his name. You know, it can be a pretty profound thing. So, so it is good to have reason that can lead us towards the reasonableness of Scripture and the willingness to take that leap of faith and embrace it. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, this reason and faith, right, you know, John Paul II writes that they are the two wings of which the mind ascends to God, right? And so, in order to ascend to God, though, and we believe in him and know him, Aquinas broke down five ways to prove his existence. Uh, so, can you, can you walk through those five ways uh, and just tell us what they are in a brief synopsis of them all? Sure, I'll give it a try, and I'll point out that in the Summa Theologica itself, Thomas just spent a couple pages on these, you know, presents them very tersely in a paragraph or two, and then spends dozens and dozens of pages ex- explicating and talking about the attributes. But just very much in brief, the famous five ways. Uh, and again, one commonality, they all start with just like the evidence of our senses. They're not saying, you know, you have to accept this philosophical premise and then we'll go from there. They're saying, no, just open your eyes. Okay, so we open our eyes, you know, and the first argument is the argument for motion or change. And we see that, you know, we're constantly changing everything that exists in material existence uh, changes, because it has potential, as you brought up before. It, it, you know, it's something in a certain state right now can be different later. It, it can move. It can change in its temperature. It can grow, and so forth. But Thomas says that, that nothing uh, that's in potential can, can give itself its own actuality. It has to be, its potential has to be filled by something that's already uh, actual. So for a simple example, Thomas gives, you know, like a piece of wood. A piece of wood can turn into a flaming log. It has the potential for that but not until something of very high temperature acts upon it, you know, a match, another fire, a lightning bolt or something. So the first argument, Thomas is saying that anything that changes must be caused, the change must be caused by something that is already fully actualized and that does not change, but which fulfills potentials in other, in other uh, things. So just real briefly, before we have to end, yeah, uh, maybe I can get to the, the, the four others as we end, but the four others, just uh, briefly, are based on the argument from efficient cause, necessary being, degrees of being, and the governance of the world. That was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that was fantastic. So we're going to go to break here, and then we're going to come back more with uh, Kevin Vost, and we're going to talk about his book that he recently wrote about 
this question, this fundamental question, what is God? So stay with us after the break here on Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. During this year-end season of giving, Real Presence Radio wishes to extend a heartfelt thanks to all that have extended support this past year, including those that have contributed to the Real Presence Radio Permanent Endowment Fund. These funds remain permanent while the annual earnings are used to support operations. To learn more about an endowment gift, a gift which will last in perpetuity, please call me, Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement at 701-290-4503. Together, we are making a difference. Did you know you can listen to all your favorite local shows like Awaken and Real Presence Live on any podcast platform such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Amazon Music? Just search for Real Presence Radio on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes in the future. And don't forget to give us a good rating so others can discover the shows. Listen to your favorite RPR shows anytime, anywhere by subscribing on any podcast platform. Just search for Real Presence Radio today. Uh, I remember even during that time, and, and this was uh, during the beginning years of John Paul II's pontificate, and whenever I heard him on TV, because he was always in the news, especially with his travels in Eastern Europe, Poland and all, I, I would hear the things that would come out of his mouth and I would go, there's no way this person is not close, closer to God than I am. <laughs> uh, you know. So I always had this sort of secret respect for, uh, for John Paul II. Of course, I never said this to any of my <laughs> brethren friends. You, know? you wouldn't dare. No, of course not. But I, 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 I don't mean to disparage them because they taught me to love the scripture. And interestingly enough, even though they, they do not believe in the real presence, of Christ in the sacrament. They had communion every Sunday. And so they really taught me to love the Lord's Supper uh, and to love the scriptures. And so I'm really thankful to them for that. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Chris Euler. And I'm Thomas Escrow. And we are on with Kevin Vost, who is talking about uh, the most important question in the world. What is God? Right? What is he? Why is it important to ask this question? Right? And recently he wrote a book. To help us come to this deeper love and knowledge of who God is. And uh, it's just a beautiful gift that the church has been given through this example uh, through Kevin. And so thank you, Kevin, first off, for writing this book. Uh, Now, as you were writing this book, St. Thomas Aquinas played a huge role. So can you tell us how uh, you used the works of St. Thomas Aquinas in your book, What is God? Okay, yeah, I'm happy to do that. I mean, the subtitle says, you know, at the very end, with help from Thomas Aquinas, but that's a gross understatement. <laughs> this, is, this is 99% St. Thomas uh, Aquinas. So the, even the title, What is God? It comes from a story when he's only five years old. His parents took him to the, the famous uh, Abbey of Monte Cassino in Italy because mm, they yes. hoped that he was going to be a Benedictine abbot someday. And even at five, though, they said he was constantly pestering the monks. He's hearing about God all the time, so he's going around, well, what is God? What is God? What is God? You know? And we don't know the answers they gave him, 
But in a sense, Thomas Aquinas spent the rest of his life seeking the answers and sharing them with us. Mm. Um, and, and what this book does, it takes the very first 26 questions, which are kind of like chapters in, in a modern book. The first 26 uh, questions of the Summa Theologica that focuses on God's existence and his attributes. And, and my 26 chapters are Thomas's 26 questions, but I use modern language. My section headings within the chapters are his 157 articles. So I'm following the Summa exactly as Thomas laid it out in its order, but I'm summarizing it. I'm using more modern language. I'm trying to uh, simplify this so we can go through and see how Thomas answered his own question, what is God to the best you know, of human ability, uh, and how that can inspire us to, to know God better and love God more. Wow, that's great. Uh, we just talked a whole segment before you, Kevin, about the Summa, about Thomas's life, and uh, kind of the return of the Church to Thomism that we see a lot of times. And what I see is a real need for uh, academic uh, people of learned experience to take the wisdom of Thomas and translate it in a way that your average pew-going Catholic can pick up and start to understand. And so I'm, I'm super grateful for the gift that you've written uh, here to help people understand the first part, the prima pars of what is God. So what are some of the key points that Thomas lays out in those 26 questions that you talk about in your book? Yeah, you know, some of the main ones where he's called what we call the divine uh, attributes, what, what reason can tell us. Uh, about God, and that what scriptures confirm, like what it means for God to be divinely simple, for God to be perfect, for God to be good, for God to be infinite, for God to be uh, immense, the fact that, that God is love. So a lot of you go through these fundamental elements that we can learn about God based on our reason uh, you know, and scripture. He also digs into some very fascinating other points, like what he calls the names of God, the way that we talk about God, and and which ones are appropriate for which reasons. He talks about uh, providence, predestination, the very nuances of God's will. So it's, just, it's an amazing the ground that Thomas covers here uh, to draw us deep into the mystery of God, or at least as deeply as we can pierce it here on earth. So um, what would you hope that readers are taking away? Obviously, the, the more we know about God, the more we can love him. Because it's it's hard to love what you really don't know, and so mm. I suppose I'm answering your question for you. But <laughs> <laughs> but but really, what are you hoping that readers are taking away uh, with this book, or how do you see this? Uh, you know, for the average person picking up this book, or maybe someone who's interested in theology and going deeper into dogmatic theology, Trinitarian theology, picking up this book book and taking away from it. Yeah, well, I appreciate the help with the answer because it's not the, the easiest question. But it's my own personal hope. Yes. Um, um, I, I, sometimes I have this occurred to me that when I, when I read this material in Thomas himself, it sparks like three degrees of wonder. And my first degree is, I wonder what Thomas is trying to say here. Because some of this is pretty heady and deep. Hmm. You know, he goes into deep philosophical, theological waters. But, but, you know, I study it. I read other modern commentators, try to make sense of it. And once I get a sense of what he's saying, then I move into the second stage of wonder, which is, I wonder how he is possibly able to grasp all this, understand all this, and put all this together, because it's, it's really mind-boggling. But then the third and the final stage of wonder is what Thomas was really looking for, I think. It increases our capital W wonder, wonder and awe in the majesty of God himself. You know, so, so it leads us that way. So I think a reader who picks up this book at first, and they like, oh, this, some of this is pretty some deep stuff. But hopefully if they apply their minds to it, it, it will make some sense. 
You'll be amazed that Thomas could do this, but it, hopefully it will make us appreciate God, know Him in ways we deeper than we had before, to give us even more ways to love Him. Because there is a story I tell at the beginning of the book that, that St. Rose of Lima, patroness of Peru several hundred years ago, you know, she was not trained as a philosopher or a theologian, but once she asked a confessor to compile a list for her of 150 perfections of God, and it said that once he did that, she would meditate on that. It became one of her favorite forms of prayer, and she said it was a prayer that the demons particularly hated. But anyway, at the end of this book, from Thomas's different, uh, all his different questions and articles, I composed a list of 133 statements that start with God is dot, 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 and end with what God, uh, Thomas told us about God. And those themselves, you know, for some of us, might, might give cause for some deep uh, meditation to help us love God even more. Yeah, so I'm uh, reading C.S. Lewis's Problem of Pain right now, and it, I love that book, wonderful book. And a little bit he talks about uh, the idea of like how we have to have this, we, can, we develop this wonder and this awe uh, that is unique to the Christian vision. Right, and our wonder and awe is like transcendent in 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 sorts, and so uh, you spoke about that, right? Like this wonder of the Lord and how He, a wonder of God and the person is. So, uh, could you kind of like share a few of those? Uh, you said 133 God is statements uh, to kind of help increase our wonder today, and then maybe share a little bit about why, like Aquinas maybe asked a few of those, maybe share a few of your favorite ones. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, I'll start with just a few, because these get into the arguments for the proofs. He says, Thomas says, God is not self-evident to man. I mean, Scripture tells us the fool says in his heart there's no God, so it does require some reasoning or revelation. Uh, God is provable by reason to exist, starting simply with the evidence of the senses. And, and the Catholic Church teaches this, too. But then going into the five proofs, what they tell us, he says, uh, God is the prime or unmoved mover. You know, yeah, he's fully actual. He doesn't, he doesn't change. He doesn't move. But he causes other things to move. God is the uncaused cause. You know, we can't cause ourselves. You know, we're caused causes. God is the only cause that's uncaused. It's just his nature to exist. God is the only necessary being that must exist. God is the perfection of being. God is the final cause, the reason why the goal of everything exists. You know, then he moves on. God is pure spirit. God is pure form. God is the same as his essence, his, his nature. God is in all things. God is in all places. God is everywhere by his essence, presence, and power. And, you know, we move on and on through all these, and some of them may be surprising. Um, one of my favorites uh, is number 43 here. God is seen in his essence most clearly by those who love him the most. So Thomas even says, when we're in heaven, you know, we're all going to have a beatific vision. We're going to see God in his essence as much as we're capable of, and that will make us happier. He said, but, that, but some will be happier even than others. And who will that be? Is that going to be the smartest people, the people who have studied the Scripture and the Summa the most? Well, not necessarily. It's going to be the people who have embraced God's gift of charity and love and love God the most while here on earth. So, so the book is full of just kind of like, I think, poignant, moving little, little facts like that. That's beautiful. And those definitely are going to be poignant to the mind, right? If people really sit with these things, it gives us an opportunity like, to develop this deeper relationship with God. Uh, so um, can you maybe share, too, like, how like, uh, this book can help uh, influence our prayer life and influence this deepening relationship with God uh, in a way that is uh, even beyond the rational mind to that deep reality of faith? 
Yeah, and there I say, you know, one way to go is if you want to, you know, keep and go to the end, look at, look at those statements, the 133 God is statements. And then as you go back to the book, realize that we're, we're moving at these with reason, but then Scripture is telling us exactly what we reasoned. So when, ta- God, when Thomas talks about God as being a necessary being, we remember at Exodus 3.14, God told Moses, you know, my name is I Am. Existence itself, the source of all existence. I'm eternal. I was, it's not I was, I will be. I am. And then we go to the New Testament, and at one point, Jesus tells us, before Abraham was, I am. So as you read this book, you'll see the wonderful confluence between what the reasoning mind can tell, can arrive at, and what God himself has explicitly revealed to us uh, through his, the incarnation of the Son on Earth and through the inspiration of the Scripture. I love the Church's vision of the human person as this integration of the the body and the soul. And as we grow uh, in our faith, we also have to grow in our in our mind. Um, that when we grow in knowledge of God and who God is, it helps us to fall in love with Him more because we understand more of who He is and His goodness. And uh, this sounds like a wonderful opportunity uh, to read more about what is God from the church's tradition. Uh, again, we have Kevin Vost with us talking about his book, What is God? Kevin, where can people find your book? This book is from the good people at Catholic Answers Press. So catholic.com is their website. You know, it's also on the major internet sellers, and, and if you happen to be blessed with a local Catholic bookstore, they may have it or be able to get it. There you go. Any final thoughts for us, Kevin, before uh, we have to say farewell and go to break? Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. There's a few things I enjoy talking uh, more about than St. Thomas Aquinas, and the one thing is God himself. <laughs> so you give me the opportunity to, to talk about both. Amen to that. We love it, too. So thanks for joining us, Kevin. Again, you can find his book, What is God?, on Catholic Answers Press, catholic.com, or uh, any other, you know, your local Catholic bookstore might carry it, or I'm sure other Amazon or things like that. So again, What is God? by Kevin Vost. Absolutely. Well, what a gift to kind of dive, especially into uh, as we're going into Advent, right? Like, to know like what God is as we're preparing for God to become man, this great mystery. So hopefully, right, if you guys are your interest is piqued, you have an opportunity to dive into this deeper reality of who God is and what he is. But don't go anywhere because we're gonna have an opportunity for those here in the local listening area of Aberdeen to grow in our relationship with Father through Advent before Christmas. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. We've got an awesome way to wrap up our Real Presence Live programming today. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 